Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, what's going on, guys? we got Colin Montgomery on the podcast this week, one of the all-time best European players that's ever come out of Europe. He's from Scotland, as you guys all know. What a record in the Ryder Cup specifically, right? 29-7 and seven as a Ryder Cup player in eight appearances. He won as a captain in 2010. Strong team there at Celtic Manor. It's really been the thing that's defined his legacy, right? The Ryder Cup. Uh, never won a major, though. As you, uh, we all know, American fans who's heckled him, given him a hard time, called him rabbit ears back in the 90s and early 2000s, but never won that major. He was so close in the U.S. Open when you think about 94 at Oakmont. He was in that playoff, the 18-hole playoff, with Lauren Roberts and eventual winner Ernie Els. And then in 97, he loses to Els by one shot at Congressional in Washington, D.C. So really made a, a great run in the majors, never quite got it done. And it's interesting when we think about, okay, what's what's the shtick with with Monty, okay? What is he really like? And you, and you think of rabbit ears and you think of, okay, all these, he's so sensitive and this and that. And in my experience, I kind of had some of that in the back of my mind when I met him for the first time, 2013. It was at the Champions Tour event, PJ Tour Champions event in Newport Beach, California, March 2013. And he is a scheduled press conference, pre-tournament press conference on that Wednesday. He didn't make it to that time, but he told the press people, he said, hey, meet me. I get to the course. I'm going to be late, but but happy to talk while I'm while I'm playing my pro am. And I was one of the few reporters that actually took him up on that, and, and I walked with him. And he was gracious. He was very excitable. He was very relatable. You name it. And I was I was kind of blown away with with this guy. So anyway, that was my first impression of Colin Montgomery. I had seen him at the airport in Sacramento, where I'm from. He was defending U.S. Senior Open champion he was going into that week there in 2015 and so that was that was interesting seeing him on the plane then I, he was with his mom actually in baggage claim uh, after we landed we were going from seattle where the u.s open was there chambers bay down in sacramento he introduced me to his his mom uh over there at baggage claim in sacramento he was great though he was engaging yet again always dressed up he had a button-up shirt but always seems to dress for the occasion. But yeah, no, that, that was kind of a little backstory there with Montgomery. But this is a quick chat. We had about 12 minutes here for this podcast. This is a Dominion Energy Charity Classic in October, the first event in the playoffs for the PGA Tour champions. And he was, uh, I didn't disappoint for me. Like, he was very excitable, a lot to say about the Ryder Cup, a lot to say about this most recent edition of the Ryder Cup, Seve Ballesteros' good friend about playing with Tiger Woods in a Ryder Cup, what that feels like as a competitor. So many different topics we get into uh, with Colin here. So here's Colin Montgomery on Beyond the Clubhouse. All right, please be joined by Colin Montgomery. And Monty, you have really been a big part of the Ryder Cup over 20 years. It's been part of your life. How special has that been? It's been a very special time. I'm very proud to be part of the history 
of of that era. Uh, it was a start of Tiger Woods' era within the Ryder Cup, and I saw I saw that through as well, which was great. And to be part of of that uh, history, that theatre, that drama, when you look back on it, is is superb. And now you go to the Ryder Cups, and you you can you can feel the atmosphere, feel that energy from the crowd that that I was given and the whole team were given. It is something very very special well, speaking of the energy a lot of it goes back to the spirit of Seve Ballesteros and mm-hmm. you were on his team you went out last in the anchor match for him in Spain yeah. what an honor that must have been how what were the moments like for you sharing with Seve in that victory well you know the Ryder Cup went to Spain because of Seve uh, he was captain because of it the king of Spain was there the whole thing was set up for Seve to win Seve somehow Tom Kite was in a very difficult position the opposing American captain that he he, he just couldn't win whatever was going to happen Seve was in it was in the gods you know somehow that Seve was going to win and unfortunately yeah it came down to me uh, uh, the last sort of last sort of game to get the final point uh, you know to seal victory but uh it was it was all for him. I mean, that was all. We just we just were playing for him. There was no nothing else. Uh, you know, Lazabal, Jimenez. There was Garrido. There was a lot of Spanish influence within the the setup, the admin setup, and of course with Seve himself and Valderrama, such a special special course that uh, that we that we just won for him. And and it didn't matter who got the points or who was playing or whatever it was. We got fourteen and a half points for Seve. Well, it didn't matter who got the points, but you got the most of, for that week. That that's got to be special for you looking back on three and a half of uh, that group. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to get to that three and a half, we lost our first uh, match, uh, Bernard Langer and I, which was surprising. Uh, uh, in four ball, against well, surprising. Here, hang on a minute, we're playing Woods and O'Meara. Hang on a minute. That's right. Uh, After he won the Masters, <laughs> having won the Masters, so we thought, okay, fine. But but we knew that Woods was struggling on that particular golf course. It was very very tight. And it didn't really suit him. It suited actually Mark Amira better. Uh, so we thought we'd have him in foursomes or alternate shot, which we did. We lost five and four in the morning and we won five and four in the afternoon. Later so, on, we got, yeah. so we got them back. Uh, but, but it was great. You know, the draw comes out, Tiger Woods. I mean, it is special. There's no, there's no doubt. Uh, uh, you know, and to, and to forget the defeat, to shake his hand when you beat him is a big deal. I don't care who you are. Uh, so it was great to, to, to be part of that and to get, as, as you said, as many points for Seve as possible. I remember the, uh, the practice round, uh, there was myself and Langer and there was Faldo and Ian Woosnam. So, I mean, you know, we'd, we'd done enough in, in the world of golf even before that. But not a bad four. Not a bad four ball. <laughs> and we played the 17th hole, which was redesigned by Seve a few years previous. And he was very proud of this 17th hole that he designed. And he thought we hadn't played it properly. So he sent us back to the tee. It's a par five. So he sent us back a third of a mile to play the hole again. He wasn't happy with the way that we had played that hole. Now, Faldo, you can imagine, wasn't happy. Langer, Langer has worked this out in nth degree beforehand. I was just laughing. And, uh, and Ian Woosnam just wanted a pint. He wanted to go into the, into the bar after we finished. So it was just like, what the hell's going on here? As any good Welshman would. As any good Welshman would and Scotsman to follow. <laughs> So we went back to the tee and did it again, and people are going, he's just, Seve's just sent back these, these four to play this hole again. But that was what he was like. He was, he was so determined uh, uh, to win this. And, and uh, as I say, we won it for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you look at the Ryder Cup that just happened there, 2023. Uh, Paul, Paul McGinley told me that he thinks it was one of the best European Tour teams ever, European teams in the Ryder Cup ever. What was your takeaway from, from how they played? 
Oh, well, I think you look at the weakness of a team in many ways and you look at the rookies and, and our rookies there, you'll find in the future Ludwig Eberg is going to be a star, if, if not already. Uh, Nicholas Hoiberg, I think, is going to be a star, if not already. Uh, Hoygaard, yeah. Hoygaard. Robert McIntyre uh, is, is, is the next big thing to come out of Scotland, which is great for us. Since you, right, the next big one. Absolutely, that'll be great. <laughs> And Sepp Stracker was, was a very solid performer and, and, and a top 30 player in America. When you think of that as our rookies, that's why our team was so strong. And uh, we won that Ryder Cup because of not just them, but because of our top three had to perform. They didn't perform in Whistling Straits. That's why we got, we got thrashed in Whistling Straits. But they did perform in, in, uh, in Rome. And that's Rahm, that's McElroy, and that's Hovland. And they performed. And they had to perform, and they did perform. And uh, to get to get to start off that singles, to get the two and a half points out of three uh, from those three was vital for our win there. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously the Ryder Cup has defined your career so much over the years, but also Royal Troon and and, mm -hmm. and that great course is always like a home open for you. Yes, it's yes. going back there again this year. You it played is. it many times in the opens. Yeah. What, what do you like about that as an open championship test? I mean, to be honest with you, I know it's my home and and uh, and my father's you know ninety four still living there, uh, an ex president of the club and all the stuff that goes on. To be honest, I mean, it's not. I wouldn't say it was my favourite uh, course of that open rotor. I think down the road. Turnbury, I think everyone would agree was would be a better golf course, uh, uh, a more character to it. Troon's tough. Troon's very tough. The first three holes are a giveaway, and then it, the last 15 holes are as tough as you get. Uh, so it's more tough than it is ah, character. Uh, but I know it. I know every inch of grass on the place. I know every inch of a blade of grass on on the course. So uh, I look forward to trying to qualify as I did in 2016 seven years ago to try and qualify for the open it's the last one that I would play in and if I'm going to play in a last open apart from St Andrews I'd love to play at my home course at Troon yeah yeah why not right? yeah well it's interesting we think about favorite memories in the game you've got so many people you've met over your career Seve that you've been mm -hmm. in many battles with Faldo a lot of the European tour leaders mm -hmm. what's one of your favorite memories um, with with the big five of Europe, like with if you were to pick out one of them, I think I, I think it has to go back. You know, Faldo, Faldo, Langer were very were very similar. I wouldn't say they were the most talented players, and that's not being cruel. But my God, they worked and they worked hard and they got the most out of what they were given. Woozy was talented, but Sandy Lyle was the most talented of all. He was incredible. Just happened to be a Scotsman. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, sorry for that. It just happened to be Scottish, you know. And then you've got Seve. Uh, I think it goes back to Seve, really. The first time I played with Seve was in, uh, in 1991 uh, at Cromontana, which was the Swiss Open, we, uh, the, the, the Swiss Masters, we called it, the European Open at the time. And I shook his hand on the first tee. It was the third round. I was very nervous. I hadn't slept the night before. And... Uh, I happened to hold my second shot on the first. It was a par five. And I hit a three wood and I hold it. And I shook his hand again five minutes after I'd shaken it on the first hole, on the first tee. And Thank I you thought, very much. Yeah, and I thought that was, okay, to shake Seve's hand twice within five minutes was a good effort. Uh, so I'll always take that memory with me, you know. And, and uh, I have a message that, uh, that, uh, that from, from Seve, he wasn't well in 2010. 
In fact, he died in May 2011. And uh, when I was captain of the Ryder Cup team in 2010 myself, uh, Elizabeth called him up from our team room and uh, we put him on a speakerphone and he was giving us all a bit of a rousing speech from his, from his bed at home in Spain. And, and it was incredible, the, 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 the emotion in the room uh, especially with the Spaniards that were there. Garcia was there, Jimenez, there was a Lazable. Uh, it, it was an amazing emotion within the room. Everybody talking to this God, uh, our God, really. Uh, Sevi, who wasn't well, uh, and wishing us all well, and 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 the team as a whole. It was it was incredible feeling. So it all goes back to that one guy. He was he was an amazing, amazing character, and you can't believe that it's. What coming up 13 years since 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 he passed away, but uh, he was a he was a, a the most passionate the most passionate man I've ever ever met. Uh, whether he be a golfer or a footballer or a cricketer or whatever he might be, he was the most passionate man I've ever met and ever will meet. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that the spirit of Seve and Tiger Woods, those two mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. are the greatest storylines in golf the last 25 yes. years. Just sure. what they represent. I would agree. Um, and, and just close up, we have about a minute and a half left. Just a couple sentences on the five topics I have here just for the average player at home. Mm-hmm. Driving, what, what are a couple sentences on how we can get better driving? Well, it would be the same. Uh, most amateurs, and, uh, and this might be, and I don't know your five, your five points, but the first point could link into, into the next four. Light hands at address. Most amateurs strangle the club at address and they don't allow themselves to get back far enough to allow themselves to get back far enough to turn to hit the ball properly. So light hands at address is key with the driver. Well, you've always been a great scorer. You were number one in stroke average and 99 on the European Tour. Mm -hmm. What's the right attitude to have going into a round to score well? Well, I don't think it's to get ahead of yourself. I think you just do the best on every shot. And, uh, and that was, I think I averaged it at 68 point something, which is always great, you know, to average that, you know, you're going to win a few tournaments. Uh, Not too shabby. Yeah, but it's a matter of starting off fine, you know, it's a matter of hitting the fairways. And I, I was never the longest. Langer was never the longest out here in the Champions Tour. But you hit the fairways, you hit the greens, you have a birdie putt. And that's what I was doing. I was, I was, I was hitting the greens, I was hitting the fairways, and I was giving myself a birdie putt 16 times, a, 16 times around. I was holding, say, four of them, which wasn't great, but I was holding four birdie putts around, not making a mistake. You add that up, that's 16 under for the four days. And that's that's usually a top five-ish, you know, and it possibly, you might just win. Uh, that's what I was doing. I, wa- I was eliminating the mistakes, and that was the key thing. And speaking of the mistakes, we're all going to run into a bunker at some point. We and are. what's the right approach, uh, mindset to have over a bunker shot? Well, a lot of people, unfortunately, in the bunker shot, you know, they, they walk the 150 yards towards the bunker in, in a complete panic, don't they? You know, in complete panic and fear of this next shot's going to happen. It's actually quite an easy shot, as long as you open the club face. People go into a bunker with a closed club face and they dig, they either dig the ball or they thin the ball. Uh, amateurs are fearful of opening that club face up. So making that 60 degree loft 80 degrees and, and now swinging and it's amazing the difference that makes but a lot of them also do not follow through you can do all the stuff you can open the club face and all do all the stuff you have to do in the bunker but if you do not follow through the ball's not coming out so you've got to follow through be, be confident enough to open the face and follow through
when it comes to chipping is follow through like a big key as well getting the well, acceleration chipping especially, chipping especially is more light hands okay people strangle it they're short in the backswing they're quick they're jerky you know they you know, far too much so i would encourage anybody uh chipping to to go and practice with light light hands and what it does it takes the strain and the stress out the forearms right takes all that stress away and allows you to feel the weight of the club head and if you can feel the weight of the club head you can swing it through and allow yourself uh, as you say so rightly say to follow through with that chip shot but you can't do it with 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 heavy hands on the club uh, grip you've got to have light hands on that grip to start with and the last one is putting does it come down to confidence typically a lot of people god you know they, they say oh i knew i was going to do that you know oh i knew i was going to miss that i mean to a to a professional well that's no good okay so we have to start with a so-called belief that it's going to go in and if you're confident of doing anything in life you're halfway to achieving it right so if you're confident you can you can then achieve it so please be over the ball thinking it's going to go in okay because the the ball has no idea who's hitting it whether it's whether it's tiger or whether it's him out there okay so the ball has no memory so please be confident and again light hands allows you to follow through to the hole and it's key light hands again colin montgomery thanks for all you've done for the Ryder cup over the years and thanks for these tips as well not at all thank you very much all right my thanks to colin montgomery for jumping on for this episode i thought he was funny i, I thought there was a lot of insight there i thought that his thoughts on the Ryder cup the stories with sevy and what that meant to play for Seve, right, in Valderrama in 1997 at that Ryder Cup. Clearly, he understood the gravity of that moment. He he took it seriously. He was the leading point winner in, in that Ryder Cup there and, and really represented his good friend Seve pretty well there. But, yeah, a lot of fun stuff that we got into there. Hope you guys enjoyed that listen. He's very gung-ho, as you could tell. On Robert McIntyre, uh, the young Scotsman, of course, who had a great Ryder Cup. He's gung-ho on a lot of those younger players as well. Hoygaard, Ludwig Alberg. I mean, just so much passion still in his veins for the Ryder Cup. So good to hear that from Colin Montgomery. Anyway, hope you guys had a blast. We'll catch up soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse. <laughs>